Welcome to Beauty as a Birthright, a podcast where we decode the evolving concept of beauty from a multidimensional lens. In this space, we embark on a journey with engaging guests from all walks of life to figure out if beauty is a birthright, then what's our legacy? So let's get started. Claudia Soto, as a London-born, Melbourne-based, Spanish-Chilean yoga and Pilates teacher and creator of Cloud Sways, a space to encourage people to move their bodies for all reasons, excluding societal pressures, and to dismantle the false narrative that size and abilities are a reflection of health. Wow. Welcome, Claudia. What a nice intro. I love that. <laughs> you can take that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes. So Claudia, we start our podcast by asking our guests what the most beautiful thing is about you today. Um, my patience today. Mm-hmm. The 6 a.m. Nice <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's really hit me, but I feel nice and calm today. So are you yeah. usually an impatient person? No, I'm not. I quite like waking up early in the morning before, you know, when like everyone's still sleeping. Yeah. Like I am a morning person. I just love that kind of just slower way of starting things. No, not usually an impatient person. No. Um, maybe some internal dialogue going on there. <laughs> I mean, I like to say patient but I don't know <laughs> yeah I'm not a morning person but I I know the times that I have woken up before everyone else like it just feels like it's just you in the world you know and it, and yeah. it's so quiet Paige is a morning person she wakes up like crazy early right yes Paige? well that's because of my seven-year-old he wakes up crazy uh-huh. early so then yeah. I'm I'm up really early too do you get up a little bit earlier to give yourself that extra time or just whenever he's ready, it's go time? Yeah, I do that as well because I know that I don't have that much time. So I will do that too, just to get a little more extra things on covered before the day starts. Oh man, that is like a hardcore discipline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, so Claudia, you were born in London, right? But yep. your um your mother is Spanish, your father is Chilean, um, yep. <laughs> and your father was a political refugee, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. And but now you live in Melbourne, Australia. And so yeah. when I heard your when I read your story, it was like, oh my gosh, this person has such a multicultural life, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> different worlds, different parts of the world. And so I'm curious to know how was your upbringing um how did it shape your understanding of beauty and then like because you grew up in London but you grew up with two different different culture parents and then you you're now in Australia how has living in different cultures like shaped your understanding of beauty yeah um well I guess like most people beauty and what I guess what being um, the right woman uh, kind of was introduced to me quite early on in life. Like I'd say as most most people, um, you kind of get that rude awakening quite early on in life. But I mean, I guess the good thing about growing up in London was the multiculturalness that comes with it and just the vast 
the plethora of ethnicities that are there. Mm. And it's just like the best bit of London as well. So, I mean, I'd say if I grew up in Spain, I'd, I'd probably feel a little bit different, um, maybe a bit more hyper aware of how different I looked compared to uh, other Spanish girls my age. Um, I felt that I was a lot curvier. I did go to a Spanish school. So just to add another little <laughs> confusing oh. I went Spanish to a Spanish school, school in, London. in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you are from London, you probably know where that is. So it's in West London. Um, it's, it's like a little community there, but I always felt quite, um, quite different to most girls my age. Now, it, it may not be something that, um, obviously, it's not something that they did on purpose or the teachers or anything like that, but I was quite hyper aware of how different we looked. Um, so I think if I did grow up in Spain, I probably feel that times 10. Mm. Um, but I mean, the good thing about growing up uh, with a Spanish and Chilean dad was just how how good they were at making sure that I surrounded myself with people that would make me feel good about myself. So for example, like getting Barbies, I mean, now looking back, it's like, oh, that was, that was actually really thoughtful for them. But back then, all I wanted was a Barbie like anyone else, right? The standard blonde Barbie. I couldn't mm-hmm. understand why I wasn't allowed to get one. I was allowed to get the Pocahontas because that was the closest thing <laughs> <laughs> that looked like to Whoa. me. So I, yeah, I wore that Barbie down. <laughs> like, I mean, Pocahontas, you know, the Disney story is it's, it's a complete other topic. But that doing things like that, that would kind of avoid me, I mean, falling into, I mean, the pressures of, you know, beauty as a girl, a woman, how far we're willing to go for those kind of things. So little things like that did contribute to me feeling comfortable in my skin as much as I could. You know, I did fall uh, for that that little maze but yeah did you Mm. go why why were um why did your parents send you to the Spanish school you know I think if I ask them now I don't think they know themselves yeah interesting I was born in London and then they that we moved to Spain when I was quite young so I was still a baby and I think they wanted me to have more connection to my Hispanic Mm. side as because they were also they weren't English so they wanted me mm-hmm. to have that same upbringing that they had. Um, so, I mean, I guess that was their reason for sending me to the Spanish school. It was quite far. So they did regret sending me on that massive commute. So it was like an hour and a half commute there. Wow. wow. It did. I don't know. It kept me fully bilingual. Like I really mm. enjoyed my time there. I didn't. I left when I was 13. Um, but yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm assuming that's why, but I think if they could go back in time, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it's our commute and a half, yeah. When do you, and then at 13, did you go to just a normal British school or? I went to uh, the Brit school. So it's a performing arts school back home oh, in cool. London, in Croydon. It's a fantastic school. So if you have any passion for music, art, dance, theater, musical theater, they do it. And I'm telling you this school, I could not rave about it enough. 
um, you have to audition. So it's not like it's something you pay for the tuition yeah. fee. It's fantastic. So I went there to do dance and drama. So I left there when I was 13. And yeah, another fantastic school. I was pretty lucky. Oh, with- I'm so jealous. I want, I begged my parents <laughs> to let me audition to go to the um, performance <laughs> art school. Oh, yeah. Oh. I can't tell you how many times I watched the Save the Last Dance. Um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know the, the chair scene? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you memorize it? Yes, I did. But yeah. they didn't tell me that the audition wasn't obviously come and do your own thing. It was very like, yeah, we're going to do classical ballet. <laughs> the sound man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was a great school. Mm-hmm. And I, we know that your mom had a really big influence on you growing up because she's the yeah. one who first introduced you to yoga and Pilates. And then, you know, later with her battle with cancer, you talked about how she had obtained this thinness that I think was kind of something that maybe, well, society always pushes that agenda on us, but it seemed like personally, that was something she also was interested in achieving. But then when she got there, the lesson was kind of, well, I got here because I'm, I'm sick and I'm not well. And I don't like, isn't that ironic? And I feel like that had such a deep impact on you, the messaging of that. Mm. And so, you know, we would love to hear more about that for you and how you've also carried that throughout your years following your mom's battle. Yeah. So, I mean, so Pilates and yoga, as we know it, it's oh, it's extremely whitewashed, right? So yeah. um, Joseph Pilates himself was a white man. Um, so, I mean, you know, but the, when you think of Pilates and yoga, you think of everything that's advertised to us. So you think of a thin white woman smiling into the abyss because she's having the best time working out, you know, <laughs> wet droplets like glisten (laughs) but that's not actually the case I mean I am a Pilates and yoga teacher and I think that they're just such fantastic ways of moving the body they're so great um so when she did that most of her introduction and her interest in fitness uh for herself and for me were as part of uh, contributing to how your body would look. So how could we mold our body to look a way that would be societally intact, right? How could we look a certain way to have society's approval of like, yeah, you know, you're thin, you're good to go, (laughs) off you go. Um, So, I mean, that always really affected me because I just thought that was the norm. She was so consumed by it. And I mean, I can't fault her for it because that is something that was so pushed in her generation and just women in general, right? Like, God, the the terror that was the Atkins diet. <laughs> I remember seeing <laughs> that book in the in the kitchen when I was growing up, and suddenly the entire pantry had changed to whatever was molding to the Atkins diet. And I think well, she was just so consumed by it. And, and thankfully, even though I was really consumed by it as well, almost like suffocated by it, not just through her, but just through what I was being told I had to do in order to take part in exercise. Um, that I, were just, you, I just Were you thin, Claudia, growing up? I 
I always thought I wasn't, but now like mm. many people, most people, I look back in pictures and I think, bloody hell, yeah. I was just a child. Like I yeah. looked fine. What was I thinking? And it just makes me so sad because I look at pictures and I remember vividly having that picture taken and feeling like I was fat or just didn't look a certain way. And now I look back and I think, God, how sad. Like I was just a child and mm. to feel so self-conscious of my body for it to just take over my whole day so I mean I would say no but I mean I was I was just a child I I mean I try now not to like think about oh was I thin was I fat I mean I was what I was I was just a child growing up and I was just trying to live my best life yeah um but yeah like so when mum started doing Pilates and yoga, she also, I think she started with Garuda, which is just a fabulous uh, kind of, uh, I'd say it's, it's its own movement that was created by this guy called James De Silva in London. So she was introduced to that and then started doing Pilates and then she took me into yoga. So I had a dance background. I have flat feet. So I was constantly having injuries. I was done like with dance. I just, I'd hit my point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So she took me to my first yoga class, which was an absolute disaster. Like it was hot yoga. <laughs> oh my God. What was going on? I was slipping and sliding all over my mat. <laughs> Every time I was doing something, I just like would peek over to the next mat and she was just there like, you're doing it wrong. And it's like, oh man. But I loved it. Even though I had no idea what was going on. I had the best time. And then I just got introduced to the world of yoga that way. And when, I mean, it's a whole big story, isn't it? But when mum got sick, I mean, she was always just so fixated in how she looked, which was such a contradiction to who she was as a person in her everyday life, right? She was just so... Um, she was just so light. She was so personable. She was so social. She was so outgoing. She'd be the first person to help lift you up if you were putting yourself down. It was completely different when it came to her, right? When she, she was just hyper fixated on how she looked. And I think if she were here today, she'd probably be devastated to hear that. But unfortunately for her and for many women, it just sometimes you have you get to the lowest point and you get to to just you're knocking on death's door and it's still not enough like what was the biggest shock for me was we work so hard every single day god imagine how much time we'd have if we didn't worry about what we looked like what we ate how much time would we have? How tired, literally tired have we been from like not eating enough or just working out too hard or not working hard enough? It's just like a vicious mm -hmm. cycle. And at the end of it, you're not going to get a medal. So mum was thin when she passed away. Who was there to hand her the medal for like, you lived a thin life good on you. There is no medal, guys. There's no medal. And that's what was the saddest part. Like, even though I knew that when I was with my mum and she 
even in her last moments, right, which is just so sad. I'm just, it angers me that she, this whole diet culture stole so much from her that even in her last moments, she was almost apologizing for her physical appearance to the bloody nurses, to the nurses that would come in and before anyone could make a comment on her, how small she'd gotten, which no one would, by the way, Mm-hmm. she would get in there before and I think a lot of us do that it's like she would show you her legs and be like oh look at my legs like and it was just I remember one time so she was at home with us right so we did palliative care at home and she had a mirror that she'd always had next to her bed and she would get up and oh when she could she couldn't look at herself in the mirror and that just broke my heart like I mean, it's just, yeah. And it's just so sad because I feel like so many people could relate to this and understand that it just consumes you. It's a monster. And it's just time to start changing the narrative because like I said, there's no medal. There's no medal at the end. You may as well move your body because it feels good for you. And if going to a Pilates class or running at five o'clock in the morning isn't for you, find something else that works. You don't need to exhaust yourself. Like you deserve to move your body in a way that feels good for you. And you deserve to bloody eat and just live in a way that feels good for you without judgment. Are there going to be people that are going to tell you you're fat and you're not good enough along the way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's just got to be a way where we can oh, kind of lead the way and, I don't know, maybe lead by example. And it's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I wake up every day and like, oh, I feel great about myself. <laughs> we're not taught to do that. You're literally going against the grain here. You're not told to love yourself. Can you imagine how much money major companies would lose if you turn yeah. around and oh man I love myself today I, yeah. so I don't need your products I love myself right <laughs> right oh man like of course they're going to be people like you're going against the grain here but it's just it's time to change the narrative and when I when mum passed away and it just bloody diet culture and how she looked consumed her to that point I thought enough's enough. I'm done. Like I'm done, like personally letting this take over. And, and I mean, Cloudsway's kind of grew organically, right? Over the lockdown, everything shut down here in Australia. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but we had literally the world's strictest lockdown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two years. And I got left with nothing. And I was all right, let me just start teaching stuff online because I'm. What were you doing before? Were you teaching yoga and Pilates in studios? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I yeah. worked for other studios. It's not always something I wanted to do, but it's not, um, you know, when you want to do something so bad, it scares you. It like, it wow. terrifies you and you yeah. procrastinate. <laughs> you too. <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of do that. And it's, it's so weird we do that, don't they? Like when you want to do something so badly, it kind of scares you too much. <laughs> but um. When the lockdown started, I started doing Cloud's Ways and I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach in a way that I I resonate with. And it started resonating with a lot of people. And here we are today. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big topic, but I think 
the main thing is that most people can probably relate to you know yeah. just Oh, how heavy it is and how bloody exhausting it is every day trying to work on the best version of you what it's <laughs> <laughs> just not you're never going to be satisfied if you if you go down that path I mean I've been there my mum's been there like this like there is no medal you're never going to be fully satisfied with yourself and god like you've only got one life There's so much that resonated. I mean, the main, the big thing that is like resonating so hard with me of your story and your mom's story is that it's because I, Paige and I are both clinicians and there's so many times that I've had patients come in like really sick in pain, then apologize for their body. Sorry, I didn't shave. Sorry, my toes aren't pedicured, you know, and as a clinician, I'm not even looking at that. And I, I, I'm like a superficial judgmental person in my everyday life. But as a clinician, I don't even see that because what I'm looking at is like, okay, like what sort of tests we have to do What sort of, you know, like looking at the color of your skin, if there any inflammation, is it swollen? And then there was a time that where I was the patient and I apologized and I said, sorry for the scars on my legs. Cause those are kind of my, they're my insecurities. I have so many scars from like surfing and just uh, skateboarding and just having a good time. Like I, I've got like burn scars from motorcycles and stuff like that. And the clinician, she just said, oh, it looks like you had a really fun life. And that moment it shifted everything. Cause I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause every scar I've had was because I was having a blast. and I'm clumsy but you know like other than that but it tells a story and and since then it's like I just love the way that she shifted it like that little like shift in that perception of your own insecurities right can make such a powerful impact on your self-esteem your self-worth like how you see yourself right isn't that beautiful I love that It, it looks like you've had a great life that's that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um you kind of touched upon it. Like you so you grew up as a dancer and Paige and I both grew up as dancers too at very young ages. And we often talk about how there's a disconnection between us and our body. When we mm-hmm. when we started this podcast, we were talking about like what does beauty mean to us? Like what does it look like? And we really focused on the face for various reasons. And we also talked about like, why are we so disconnected from our body? It's almost like we talk about beauty from the neck up and we don't talk about from the neck down. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about myself, like, why am I doing this? And I grew up as a dancer and a gymnast. And so when you grow up in that world, from a very young age, everybody talks about your body. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why I disconnected myself. I think I did it when I very young age was because it was too much. So it's like, this belongs to me, my head, but my body does not belong to me. It belongs to my coaches. It belongs to my dance instructor. It belongs to my dance group. And I think it was just this weird coping mechanism. So now as an adult, it's like, I'm trying to reconnect my head and body. Um, But I'm wondering for you, what was it like did you have a similar experience being a young dancer and did you have criticism from different places or were you protected in a lot of ways? Um, 
Yeah, I guess I've never thought of it that way of feeling like your body doesn't really belong to you. But I think a lot of people would probably feel like that as well, because I don't know, I think it, I mean, I wouldn't do it now, but thinking of like when I grew up, far too many people had an opinion on what my body looked like and what it yeah. should look like. <laughs> and if I had anyone saying that to a child now, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, I don't, a disconnect. Yeah, I suppose there was always a disconnect. And yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that's a tricky one. <laughs> it's kind of I mean I have no idea for both of you this was just like my thinking in the last month like what is up with me I mean I I feel like now I'm definitely trying to take I don't like saying the words because it sounds a bit woo-woo but I'm trying to take my own power back of like right this is my body like whatever you say about it that's that's your business it's got nothing to do with me so like you know, I mean, growing up, I think I've always been moving my body in a way. I don't, I wouldn't say I felt like my body belonged to my coaches. Here's the sad thing. I don't feel like any of my dance teachers, my gymnastics teachers, some teachers, whatever teachers I had commented on my body. I was pretty lucky in that sense. However, the people that did comment on my body were the ones that probably shouldn't have family Mm -hmm. friends and they're the ones that leave a really big stamp god I remember like being in the Spanish school and I'd started dancing and in typical save the last dance vibe I was dancing (laughs) in the playground kind of in my own head like "Eh, eh, yeah look at me and circle just elbowing the air but I was like having a good time right I was just dancing because I started dance class and I was practicing my routine like with my friends that went to not just me by myself <laughs> like with my friends from school and when the bell rung oh, it's so mean but you know what? this stayed with me this uh girl from my class came up to me she's like oh you wouldn't believe what this boy said about you and I was like what She's oh he um I don't I don't know how to exactly translate the words so it just gives it the oomph that it mm. hit with. But the comment was like, oh he said that they could see your fat, but like not like fat as in like your like literal fat of the body. So you've got muscle fat, like they could see all your grease. I guess maybe that's how you'd say oh, it in man. English. And I was like, what? I was only 12 and I was like, what do you mean? I was literally just like with my friends having a good time and like, who, like, I shouldn't, I, like, first of all, you don't need to tell people what other people have said, like mind right. your business. Yeah. I know kids me, but that was like, ah, that, that was, that could have saved me a lot of heartache because then I just didn't dance outside of the dance studio mm. after that. And like, I was, then I was like, oh, okay. Something else for me to be like fixated on. How do I look at the playground? How am I playing as a child? But like, just what a thing to comment on. Like, you know, again, he was a child. He should have known better, like, but Mm -hmm. you know, he was a kid, but that was God. Adults even say stuff like that now, you know, that's like the thing that 
yeah. drives me crazy. It's like everybody should just mind their own business about anything, you know? God, especially children, just let them be. Like I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were saying that uh, girls now start dieting and become becoming fixated with their bodies from the age of four. No four. way. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to a client last week telling her the exact same thing I was telling you guys now. And she said that she started becoming hyper aware of her body at five. Like, oh. what? What? Yeah. Like that, oh, man, it's just a monster. It's a monster. And, you know, it's little it's- comments. Like we just need to normalize not commenting on people's appearance at all. Like there's mm-hmm. so many things that we can say that would make people feel good don't let's just not say people oh you look so thin you know like you've lost weight just mind your business mind mm-hmm. your business because this one comment that you might feel is a compliment or you're trying to say <laughs> you're just in a passing comment or you're trying to be mean first of all if you're trying to be mean don't be an asshole <laughs> like, yeah. just, be, just be nice right mind your business but we need to not comment on these things because they have such a huge impact And we never know the story behind it. We had a guest recently, Francesca Isaac, who has Crohn's disease. And so her weight, um, when she's the sickest, she looks the thinnest, you know, and Mm. people would compliment on that, but they don't know the story that like her body is fighting itself and she is feeling like shit inside. Um, And so it's so strange that we equate thinness to health because we don't know what's going on. Right. God, I, yes, that's thinness does not equal health guys. Not at all. Like there is no science to back that up. We just need to stop that now. But Mm -hmm. I had a similar experience. I lost a bunch of weight, uh, God, a few years ago. And the compliments I had were just, I've never felt uglier in my life even though everyone was like wow you look so beautiful you look so great what have you done I have never ever felt so paranoid about my physical experience as I did when everyone was telling me how good looking I was just because I lost weight it made me so sad because it made me question how people felt about me prior to this like did Mm -hmm. you only think of me as in a physical way, like you didn't think of like how good a friend I was, like how how much of a good listener I was. It was all down to how I looked. And it made me so sad that I was just like, God, you work so hard to be thin. And then what for? Because this is just as ugly. <laughs> like, right. it's, it's worse when people are just like, whoa. <sighs> man, it's exhausting. I'm even exhausted now. It's just like, just really- <laughs> Yeah, when we reflect on this, you know, I thought of something because when we first introed into this question, we were talking about Tamsin shared about like coaches or teachers, instructors commenting on her body. And I just this memory popped up that I didn't really think about um, where when I was so I was also a young competitive gymnast. And I think I was probably in sixth grade. I hadn't gone through puberty. I hadn't even gotten close to entering puberty. Um, I think for me, that wasn't until like ninth grade, but anyway, so my coach had, we went to, we took photos in a pool for like this competition and I was in a bikini and my coach asked me to come over to show everyone my body. 
Mm. And it, and I was, it's because I was a, basically a child. And she said, look at Paige's body. And she told my teammates to look at my body. And she mm. was like, can't you see Paige has a lot of control. Whoa. And she doesn't have her period yet. <gasps> yeah. And then, and then the weirdest thing happened where she was like, I think she should be team captain. And I was in sixth grade. So in like that short amount of time, I was like, put, I was like, put on a pedestal, rewarded, given, given the quote unquote medal, a prize. And then talked about like how I hadn't had my period. I mean, I didn't even think that was the thing. And all these other girls that were just older than me or went through puberty at like a normal age that were developing that had a little bit more uh, mass on them because of that, because their body needed it to develop. They were like shamed. And that moment like was burned in me. And I remember like not, I think I didn't get my period or like until ninth grade and I remember being like oddly like proud of that. Like, you remember in that moment, like when your coach mm-hmm. or teacher did that, like what 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 did you feel as like a child? Were you did you feel I, proud or did you feel embarrassed or? I felt shy about it, but I also felt like, like yes, that's true. Like I am disciplined, mm. and I am hardworking. But everyone was right. <laughs> that's the thing that's so sick. It's just like nature took course on people quicker than it did on me. And because my mom didn't get a period till she was a senior in high school. So it's like because she was a competitive gymnast and she went on and did division one gymnastics in college. So anyway, like that was just so happened to be my genetic story at the time. But it was used as like, it's because she works harder. It's because she's more disciplined. It's because she's more this, more that. Everyone needs to have this too. And that really, really like made a huge impression on me in a very negative way. That so anyway, I just was thinking about that. Yeah. So dangerous to what? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I just need a moment to process this. Yeah. An adult complimenting you for not getting your period. Like they literally mm-hmm. said she doesn't mm-hmm. have a period yet. Like shame right. on you for getting your period. I mean. That could have really screwed you up when you got your period because like I remember girls and because I remember girls in high school who were athletes, like swimmers, especially they need to have a certain body type, especially like divers. Like Mm -hmm. it has to be short, thin, like no curves whatsoever. And you can't tell, like, it doesn't matter how hard you work out, you know, like if you're born with curves, you're going to be, you're going to have curves. And and it really like messed with them. And it like the, and then the, getting your period is like such a beautiful moment. Like we get to experience this like every month. And so, yeah, it totally screwed with your mind too. When you got yeah, it. I actually hit it for probably the first three, four five months. <clears throat> Cause I was like ashamed and I felt like a drug dealer. Like I had to get like my friends to like go <laughs> buy me pads <laughs> and like a brown bag. <laughs> and give it to me at school the parking lot <laughs> the it's like the drugstore like it was it was so bonkers but okay Ooh. yeah I just but that's like feeding into like that is like I mean seriously how to give someone an eating disorder faster than Anna than anything oh, totally like, 
let's yeah. avoid period like wow I mean right. that is quite yeah I mean that that's that's quite common in like the gymnastic and swimming world isn't it like mm-hmm. oh that is just but also like why wouldn't you feel proud like of of someone telling you that they're an adult they're a coach they're mm-hmm. meant to protect you and show you like what is right but unfortunately that's not the case right for people in this situation like Oh man, like that's the last thing you do. Like when you're like hormonal, you feel a little bit awkward. You don't want to shame someone. Like you having to like no, it's so- in school. <laughs> well, but <clears throat> and Claudia, shifting gears a little bit though, before we jump into cloud sways, which we're really excited <laughs> to talk about. But you had spent some time working in the disability sector and you talk yeah. about how it really opened your eyes to a new perspective on life. Can you mm-hmm. share more specifically in what ways your eyes were opened to this new outlook from that lurking in that sector? Yeah, so I worked. So there was a point in my life after graduating and working retail, I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I was kind of just over, like I was auditioning because I was an actress then and I was just so tired of how shallow the whole industry was for me personally. And I don't know how, but I applied for an agency that uh, offered work in the disability sector. I don't know how I did it, but I ended up going to an interview for this agency. And then they were like, all right, well, we're going to send you to this school. And I was like, great. Uh, just showed up to this school and I loved it. The minute I walked in, it was something like I'd never experienced before. The people were just wonderful, just the most fantastic school it's the it's called the queen elizabeth it's such a long name so basically qe2 for sure <laughs> queen elizabeth <laughs> jubilee I, I don't know there's a jubilee in there somewhere it's in west london as well and it was just the most fantastic school and i ended up going to a classroom uh, uh for the ages it was a year one um so i ages i guess between four and five four and five and all kids with different disabilities and it was just the most amazing just I loved it the minute I walked in and on my second day there was a mum who came into the class who was wanting to bring her son into this special needs school into this class specifically the one I was in uh, because he was just given a diagnosis for this really rare fatal condition called Batten's disease this little boy was called Frank and I met him and instantly I was like right me and you just gel like (laughs) we understand each other and we worked really well like he had his little intro day I stayed with him because we were both new and I was like I don't know what I'm doing you don't know what you're doing (laughs) let's hang out together and then uh, it was the Christmas period and then come January he started officially in this school full-time and he was really upset his first day and he remembered me and then from that day we just clicked and I became his one-to-one and little did I know it was just going to turn into this whole journey of this little boy basically for me he was like a little brother to me so what he had was late infantile Batten's disease so you guys can look it up it's you know it's a fatal condition but the one he had was usually diagnosed between the ages of three and four and the life expectancy was up till 12 
or 13, which he did live up to 14, I believe. He passed away in October last year, but he was just, I, I just learned a whole new way of doing things and what really mattered to me. Like he was just, I mean, all the kids, the school was just fantastic. I loved it. I was there for like three or four years before I moved to Australia. And I stayed with him um, as his one-to-one, like, I mean, it was quite heartbreaking. So I started doing his physio with him. So when he'd start to lose his mobility for walking, we'd do a little exercise like that. And then it just you know, he started losing his ability to use his hands and then his side and then the seizures came in. And unfortunately, this horrible disease took everything, uh, like his ability to do anything independently for himself. And it got to a point where I could no longer, by like the third or fourth year, I could no longer, um, I could be there for him. I was still there for him, but I wasn't a nurse and he needed something that I was not qualified to do like I knew him very well but uh, that's when I was like I I was just also just and it makes me so sad to say this but I was just emotionally just I couldn't I couldn't I was so and I know this but yeah I was really emotionally attached to him and yeah I'd come back and visit him a lot yeah I was really close to his mum um I did a lot of fundraisers for him but um yeah and I became an ambassador for the Batten's Disease Family Association just a wonderful like family-run charity they're just fantastic um yeah and that's that was my introduction to working in the disability sector and it was honestly a gift it was just these kids were hilarious they were just so funny and yeah it just changed my perspective on everything as well like I mean (laughs) talk about life lessons but it is it's a great job it's it's an underappreciated job unfortunately um and honestly these teachers are just angels walking this planet because they work so hard and just for long hours but it's just the most fantastic job I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I know. It's such a good story to just like, it's so, it's so incredible to have like that sort of impact. It just reminds you like how magical life really is when you get to connect with certain people. Yeah. And it's, it just taught me so much, like learning how to communicate without speech. Like you build mm-hmm. these bonds with these children and people you learn how to communicate without the use of words and you just learn how powerful it is to make time for for others and just god we take our health that we are just given for granted like and how how it just doesn't limit your life having a disability does not limit your life i'm not yeah. saying go here and like go and get a job in the disability sector because you're looking for inspiration <laughs> don't do that <laughs> it's just it 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 was it was really nice for me just yeah i i really enjoyed it this might be a good time to switch gear a little bit because we want to know more about cloud sways that yeah I want to know I personally want to know because I don't mm. even know how I found your account I don't because mm. 
I've done yoga. I've taken Pilates class and I have this aversion to Pilates. I think it's because everything you've said, it's just this like very thin white body. It's very structured, like really like hardcore, like, <laughs> like this. I don't even know how to describe it. And I'm like <laughs> this in my life normally, you know? So you would think that I would get into Pilates, but I've always had this aversion. And when I saw your account, I love the fact that you were doing these modifications one, because I'm all about modifications, even in my workouts. And mm. then it's hilarious. You're so funny. And you have this, like, I don't like this content is like, I it's just, it's just genuine. It's really sassy. It's like tongue in cheek. And you have mm. such a good humor around these, um, kind of serious topics. That's what I, I love. And so I'm curious to know what, what does Cloudsways even mean? And then how did it come about? Ooh, what does it mean? I don't know. I love the name. <laughs> I love the name. I love the brand. When I checked out your website, I was like, oh, I love everything about this. Design. Oh, <laughs> the name. I love you. everything. Um, Cloudsways just came about, like, I, I was thinking, like, you, you like created an Instagram handle, like, what cloudy apple juice cloudy what and I was like do you know what clouds movement and I said no 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 like I don't I sway kind of just like because I've done so many different things in life and I was like what a perfect way to just say I sway through things I don't know I didn't overthink it guys I want to say that I had like <laughs> I love it light bulb moment as it is just gonna make an impact now it's just like my <laughs> like part of my name cloud and then sways um <laughs> how it came about was through the pandemic like I like I said we went through like those harsh lockdowns I remember that <laughs> so we were like on the news and you hear lockdown stage four that's what we called it his stage four and I was like what is a stage four what does that mean everything shut down I mean shut down like it was so intense here like you were allowed to go for a walk like we had so many lockdowns I don't even remember how many we had wow. And there was just a point where we couldn't leave the house uh, for anything other than your one hour of exercise a day. Um, and they like taped the benches and everything. I mean, I don't, I know it was oh. kind of like in the UK and to some extent, but like, I'm talking about where the area I was, like they sent in the military, like I think the Marines, like in wow. the park, they were like walking in six, like in pairs, two of the police, two of the army. <laughs> Like, anyway, so in the midst of all of that, and also I just lost my mum in March 2020, which was the very first lockdown. So I was like, what? The first few months of lockdown made no sense to me because you're already in your bubble of grief. I couldn't go home because they shut the borders. And I was just in my own bubble of what is going on? Like, I don't have my mum anymore. What does this mean? And so I was kind of forced to deal with my grief, which in a way yeah. was good. Because I think if I didn't have a lockdown, I would have worked and just tried to avoid, but I couldn't. And I took some time off, like everyone else did, like I couldn't really do much. And I'd lost all my jobs. Like I was a full-time Pilates and yoga instructor. And some of the studios I worked for shut down permanently because they couldn't afford to keep their business running and others just locked down. And I was like, right, okay, so what am I going to do? And I was just scrolling through Facebook, I think at the time, 
or one of the social media platforms and just seeing how depressing my feed was because everyone was so sad. And I'd started by then moving my body in a way that felt good for me because of what happened with mum. Now it's like, I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I've got Zoom, everyone's using Zoom. Does anyone wanna do like a class on the house uh, for me? Like for me, sorry, like with me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we should do that. Listen, guys, I'm feeling really down by myself. Everything. Does anybody want to do this with me? <laughs> Everyone just do this for me. Like, but like with me. And uh people showed up on Zoom and it was really sweet because I was I'm obviously living in Australia. I was in Australia at the time. I had family and friends in London, in Spain, in New York. So I had kind of like an international Zoom session. I was like, oh, this is really fun. And it helped lift my mood up because I was able to do what I enjoyed for 45 minutes out of those long 24 hour lockdown days. And I was like, okay, well, this seems to be uh, resonating with other people. See, people seem to enjoy this. So I just offered a few more. And then I was like, you know, I think I might do a website. And I did a website and I was like, okay, uh, I feel like I want to do like, so I do this thing when things get confusing or I procrastinate, I <laughs> tend to create a fundraiser. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what I can do. Like, I'm just going to avoid everything and I'm going to create a fundraiser, which is what I did. <laughs> I would have a million things to do, but I know what would be really helpful right now. <laughs> Something completely different. So I ended up doing this fundraiser to raise money for the hospice uh, that looked after mum, St. Christopher's Hospice. And I was like, oh, I was, I set the bar at $150. And then I was like, no, no, no. I feel like 250 is good. Uh, and if people don't donate, I'll donate. It's fine. And I created this move-a-thon. So Initially, I was just going to do like an hour of doing Pilates and yoga and just offer it out for people that want it shot. And it just rolled into this other thing where I had four teachers, um, James De Silva being one of them, who was the creative Garuda that was actually one of my mum's mentors. And he was amazing because he kind of helped advertise it to one of his clientele. And it just, boom, exploded into this thing that I ended up raising uh, I think it was about $6,000. Oh so my, my 250 mark just whoo, went wow. out of the wall. I had like 88 teachers across wow. the globe join in. And it was just looking back now, I was definitely in my grief bubble, like not, you know, like I said, <laughs> not dealing and just trying to do something completely different. Like this terrible habit of I'm feeling really bad. So I'm going to try and make others feel better to make myself feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I did. And after that, I was exhausted, dealt with my own shit because I had to look after myself after trying to raise money. And I realized, okay, this cloud space thing is actually working. Let me teach privates. And I started teaching privates. Um, and then when the lockdowns kind of started lifting, I created a little home studio for myself at home. I bought myself a reformer, some clinical equipment and all secondhand, right? Like I was renting my reformer for a while because I couldn't afford it. I mean, I had no work. I was just doing it online. And then people just started showing up, coming and 
Yeah. And now fast forward to two years later, mm-hmm. I've moved house. Um, I now have my own home studio here, which I own this place. So I can, wow. I've made it now, which is so nice. And I have my private clients that come here and I now teach group classes as well, face to face. And we're going to be, yeah, something else is going to be happening for Cloud Soleil's, but it's, it's moving, moving forward. Like it all happened very organically. It's now become my baby. Yeah. It's amazing. story. (laughs) Like, wow. Yeah, no, that definitely happened. Because, you know, just yesterday I was sitting in the bath and I feel a bit down, like, Oh, it's just not going how I expected it to go. But when you look back, you know, actually, no, like, it's it's okay. I've I've done well. Like, yeah, definitely need to learn how to look back and do the good things. Like, how to celebrate the good things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Claudia, that's incredible. It's so cool to see what you made of your situation, what had happened, and you just described how. This is something you do, you tend to do when you're not feeling good. You try to help others feel good. That somehow makes you feel good. I mean, not somehow, that definitely does make you feel good. But then what happened from that type of like habit that you have is it then developed into something that's so fulfilling for you Mm -hmm. that you're able to sustain and nurture yourself. Um, So I'm so glad that that was the outcome for that. You know, we have so much fun talking to you, Claudia, and we always ask our listeners at the end what their beauty legacy is. My beauty legacy? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say my beauty legacy is my ability to make people feel comfortable and make space for people to move their bodies in a way that is accessible and good for them. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you for sharing the story of Cloudsway. I just, Yay. it's so beautiful that, that it, you've created this beautiful community and business, but also, you know, just from grieving and then being able to pivot And it says so much about your resilience and like who you really are, you know, to take this, like, and I also love the fact that you were like, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just doing this and then this and then this. To me, that's like, this is your purpose. Cause it's like, you didn't even know, but things are just unfolding organically, naturally, you know? And, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Claudia. We're going to have all your um, information in our show notes, but um, for our listeners, how could people support you and find you and get to know more about you? Um, Well, I'm on Instagram. I mean, that seems to be like the biggest platform. It's Cloudsway, C-L-O-U-D, Sways, S-W-A-Y-S. Um, and my website's all linked to the bio. I mean, you can hop in and just have a chat, just have a mooch. If you want to move with me, let me know. I mean, I do have international like clients where we do Zooms, like, you know, organized with the little, with a little app I was telling you about before, <laughs> the calculating the time difference. But yeah, I just hope I, I, this makes someone feel good and question 
how can you move your body without it having to be torturous yeah yeah well thank Um, you so much claudia have a nice rest of your day thank you for starting it so early with us (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure okay take care bye everyone bye Well, that's it for today. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at beautyasabirthright and say hello. If you're interested in learning more about Taoist face reading, head over to elementalarchetypes.com and follow Dr. Tamsin on Instagram at elementalarchetypes. If you like to explore beauty through your own hands, you can visit youngface.com. You may also explore Paige's Instagram at yang.face for tutorials, Chinese medicine theory, and candid thoughts on cultural appreciation.